Welcome to the Tote the Note podcast hosted by Jim Rhodes, founder and head coach at the Octane Group. Join us while we dive into the questions that matter most to buy here, payer operators in the world of subprime auto finance. This episode is brought to you by our friends at NEO. And now, here's your host, Jim Rhodes. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Tote the Note podcast. I'm Jim Rhodes, your host. I'm the uh, head coach of the Octane Group. We're a coaching and consulting firm, and uh, I'm pleased to be able to tell you we've got Tommy Brandis joining us. You don't mind if I call you Tommy. That's how I know yeah, you. That's what, you, that's what my friends call me. <laughs> yeah. I've, uh, how long have we known each other? I'm trying to remember if I met you way back when I was doing training in the 90s or if I didn't meet you until I started uh, doing consulting. Probably, probably before our beards were gray. Probably. <laughs> yeah. So you and I started with the same training and consulting and software company uh, in the late '90s. You probably started yep. before that. I joined in '97, the training part, and then I joined that company as a consultant in 2000. And I know yep. that you and I worked together at conferences and met each other through that. I'm just trying to remember if we met each other in training days. But anyway, we've known each other 20 plus years. And one of the reasons that I'm thrilled to have Tommy joined the conversation today is that, um, one, he was a panelist with me at the um, NIADA conference recently, or NABD conference, I guess, and uh, we talked, we had a dealer panel where we talked about customer retention and kind of the keys to keeping customers, and I know from working with Tommy over the years that he's very customer-centric. A lot of people say that, but Tommy and his entire team, they live it all the time, every day with their customers. They have the same philosophy and approach that they've had for years. And so he's built a very nice and stable business. I know you shared with me when we met before that um, you you kind of scaled your business back at one point, right? Uh, recently in the last, uh, since uh, COVID, we've kind of scaled it back, yeah. Yeah, so you did you cut back on its number of sales locations or just accounts or what did you do? Went, went, went from two locations, a separate finance company, a separate um, inventory center to all under one roof. And I uh, went from selling, attempting to sell 40 a month to break even to being able to sell 18 to break even. So, right, I got you. But a much simpler life. Much simpler life. Yeah, good for you. So, uh, yeah, and I know that uh, for those listeners out there, Tommy is at the point where he's looking toward retirement. So uh, if somebody's looking to buy a business, he's on the East Coast, but uh, you can reach out to uh, me and I'll put you in touch with Tommy if you have an interest in uh, acquiring a business. Am I okay to talk about that? Is that public knowledge? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure my future son-in-law who's running it right now would say, yeah, somebody bring us a check. <laughs> yeah, I got you. No, that's cool. And we'll and we'll go fishing. <laughs> so let's talk about customer uh, satisfaction, customer retention. Like when you first got in the business, what kind of formed your ideas about how you wanted to handle your business and handle your customers? Well, I I guess if you go back to when we started, being a back in the day guy, um, 1992 is when we opened. You know, we were a 10 mile radius um there was no internet there was no credit card payments so everything was in person so you had to see each other so when you went to the local watering hole on a friday night or you went to the farmer's market or you went to the grocery store you saw your customers so you 
had to be, you had to take care of those customers the way you would expect to be taken care of, or you were going to get punched in the face, yeah. for lack yeah. of a better term, you know? Um, so, so that's kind of, that's kind of where it started from. And, and I, and I look at, and I look at these customers and I look at their lives and what they do on a daily basis and they're true survivors, right? you know? So anything I can do to help them, uh, you know, along the way is, is kind of what my business motto has been. Good. You're the only one that I've heard use that expression, survivors. I love that. I feel the same about the consumer that we serve in our space. Like they're, they're, uh, they're out there slugging it out and they've got the same problem that you and I have. They just have to do it on a lot less income, you know, and, and they got a pretty difficult set of circumstances. Now, you know, we understand some of them obviously can be purely irresponsible, but there's a whole lot more of them that are just slugging it out. Right. Correct. So, Correct. You know, we just, we kind of got to recognize that and be mindful when we approach customers, who we bring into our business and how we collect. Yep. You're 100%. Yeah. We just see that. And so I see dealers out there that, and you've seen them, you've met them over the years, 20 groups and what have you, you'll meet dealers that are, they're really kind of short-sighted. They're, they're pretty rough on their customers and they don't seem to really have much interest in the success of the customer. They have a, their greatest interest is in Friday's payment and, and being, you know, demand the payment. And so we, I come from a school of more flexibility and a, a philosophy that the customer is going to be with you for life. In fact, last year I put some stuff out on video to kind of explain that where I call the 10 year approach. When you think about every customer that you meet or every collection matter that you deal with, you think about having that customer with you for 10 years. Well, if you're going to do that, it's going to affect, it's going to affect how you approve them today. It's going to affect, you know, how you support them after they buy the car. It's going to affect, you know, how, how hard you demand a payment you know, when they're, when they're running a little bit short. So, you know, obviously I know you're, you told me, and I, I wanted you to tell the, the listeners and viewers, what's the longest customer you ever had on the books? Uh, I have, there no, I've been in business too long. Um, unfortunately, I think they've passed <laughs> since then. Oh, yeah. uh, but fourth generation, um, first car I ever sold their parents. I, I sold them a car four days after I opened their parents came in and bought a car. Then their kids grew up and their kids bought a car and then their yeah. kids' kids grew up and they bought a car. So yeah. yeah, I've been doing this, you know, when I when I sit there and I say I want to do eighteen a month, it's it's eight referrals, six repeats, and four organics. You yeah. Know, there's there's yeah. my number. Yeah. You know? Wow. Love it. Yeah, that's a great way to be. You don't have to spend much on advertising to make that work. So yeah, yeah that's, right. that's cool. Yeah, so I love it. Then um, the other question becomes like when you've had customers sound like they've been with you, at least in your, the family's been with you for 30 years. Correct. Right. So, you know, and I talk about a 10 year approach, then, you know, you're talking about having customers. So I think these things that we're talking about become even more true. The smaller our market is like, you're in a pretty good area. You've got a pretty good sized population around you. But when you, when you don't want to finance customers 40 and 50 miles away, you're going to serve pretty much your immediate community. And, so the things that we're talking about become even more important. The idea of having a customer, you know, stay with you for years, refer friends and family. I mean, that to me becomes the key when you burn through customers, which is we see more in the larger markets, you burn through customers, then, you know, you're in a small market. There comes a point when there are no more customers to, to do business with you. Right. Well, what you're, what you're, what you're saying is, is exactly right. 
if, if we focus on 10 to 15 miles away, we could sell. There's more customers. We all know six out of 10 right now need us, you yeah. know? Um, so when you're going 40 or 50 miles away, why are these people, I mean, it's popping up on buy your page of success every day, you know, um, sure. there's, there's other buy your pay here lots. We ain't the best game in town. We don't have the best BDC in town, sure. but why are we trying to go 40 or 50 miles out when we got people in the apartment complex right behind us that need cars? Right. So we got to focus closer we got to, we got to work a little harder, um, and 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 um, I, I I don't want to be a little nicer. Have more compassion, and 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 it comes back to focus. I think sure on on taking care of the six of ten people that live in your town, rather than right. just waiting for somebody to send a, a text in, right. you know, from fifty miles away. Yeah, you know, you raised something. Of course, I I think as I hear you talk about that. Something I said to Michelle the other day, I haven't said out there publicly at all yet, is that right now we're obviously dealing with super high car cost, right? This is unprecedented, crazy high cost for a 150,000 mile used car or whatever. So it occurs to me though the other day that we probably as dealers would be better served to quit thinking so much about it as the cost of the car and think about it as our, our cost of the customer because that car is our connection to the customer. And if the customer is not worth it, the customer is not worth it, we shouldn't buy the car. You know, it's really, it's really kind of where I'm trying to come to it now is say, we really need to start to measure. And we, we you know, we, it's hard to say, what's the, what's the value of a customer that's been with you for 30 years? Correct. Right? And then so you, even, I, uh, Jim, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with it. And, uh, and Gunnar will see this and my wife will see this and Morgan will see this. And they're trying to buy a, a house right now. And they make more than enough money and they have a fantastic credit score. Uh, but it comes down to that none of that matters. And what, what we care, what we go on, my new three C's of credit are credibility, character, and common sense. That's wow. my three C's of credit. Wow. Okay. Wow. So and if you have those three, I'm selling you a car. Okay. Okay. So, but basically what I'm hearing then is you would be willing to spend more. I mean, obviously we, we're all uncomfortable about the high cost of car. But I'm just thinking if we really earn a customer for life, if we could approach the, that idea that we're going to earn a customer for life, then it would be worth it for us to spend more. Of course, we'd like to see more down payment on every deal, whatever. But if we think about that customer for life, um, then, then it's worth stepping in there. Yeah, the, ba the banks are giving us the money. Um, and yeah, in 18 to 24 months, we're going to have a correction when we would charge off $3,500 or pay off 30. It's going to be 6,000, right. you know, um, but with the right customer, we're just going to make that correction. You know, yeah. hopefully the rest of the world follows that with us. You know? sure. Yeah. So what about, talk to me about how you guys support customers, like based on what you know about what other dealerships do, um, and I, I remember if I, you don't mind my referring to your um, mm -hmm. collection supervisor, I won't name her name. You can if you like. But boy, she she shared some stuff through this Facebook group, which, by the way, you referred to it. And I want to make sure our listeners who aren't familiar with it, uh, that 
the BHPH Success Group that you mentioned. That's a Facebook group that you created years ago. It's now got almost 3,000 members in it. Correct. And um, we have a lot of dialogue in there. You've been in there a long time. I've been in there quite a bit the last year or so. And we really find that it's a great environment for dealers. They're in there. A lot of people new asking lots of questions. But it's a, it's a good place to, to, you know, share and learn. And, and so I would invite people to get involved in that BHPH Success Group if they're not already on it on Facebook. But yeah, so as your experience with that and with other dealers, what would you say makes you different? Like, what do you see that you guys do in supporting customers that you don't really see others doing? Hmm. Well, first of all, when you go, when you go back to like the BHP success group, I, I have to go once again, I'm, I'm a back in the day guy. I got yeah. 30 years in the business and um, I, I know people, experts like you and many, many other people and, 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 and other operators and, I have to admit that I'm not a smart guy. <laughs> I'm yeah, just, uh, I'm a good listener, you there know? You so um, I think you have to pay attention to what's going on there. But you really, but at, at the end of the day, you really got to look at the customer and say, okay, wh- are you really trying? And I'm here to help you. Right. And it, it, it's kind of as simple as that. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm not trying to make it, it it's that simple. Yeah, there's there's a kind of then I really want to drill down to this because when we work with dealers that are new, we're all the time trying to help them. We're all the time trying to convey to them what it is that you and I are trying to dial into here. And and I know that you treat it like it's a real simple thing. In reality, we see so many dealers that never grasp this concept that we're talking about. So it it probably falls in the category. What I call about myself is farm boy, farm boy logic. I, I say that because I, you know, I really grew up on a ranch, but farm boy sounds better, but, but I really do come from a common sense place, right? It's not based yeah. on any Harvard education. We just know, and I was working with customers in the retail space before I was ever introduced to the car business, before I was ever introduced to the buy your payer business. So it's not that I didn't have customer experience, um, but I didn't have specific customer education and training. We just knew what, if you treat a customer the way you'd like to be treated yourself, and you make for a good experience, you solve their problem, then that's a good thing. I want to read something to you. This is actually from your, your collection supervisor, one of the things she shared on social media. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes as, it, it comes as close to saying to people what we're talking about as anything I could possibly find. It says, I'll take the time to help a customer file for unemployment. I'll drive them to get those tires after work. We'll um, look up how they can apply for food stamps. We'll help them find crockpot recipes online. Like, you know, they'll take the 10, 10 to 15 minutes to listen to how their day went. So that doesn't happen in most dealerships. It doesn't. It doesn't. And, and it should. And I guess maybe, <laughs> maybe fortunately for uh, guys like uh, me, it's, it's kind of good that that doesn't happen because I have to work a whole lot harder. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, it is something. And I remember when she said this before that I said, you know, people should listen to what she's saying. Yes, it does translate into more hard work. Like she, she has to give more time per customer because of that sort of approach. But the reality is that's how we keep these customers. Time, time is time is not hard work. We're not out plowing a field. Sure. You know, you're just listening to somebody. You know, no different than a bartender or a hairdresser or. You know, you're just listening to somebody who needs to talk. That's right. And so sometimes it's as simple as that. Sometimes that helps us to know the customer in a way. And I always say that, you know, this can be true on the sales side, even when you barely meet a customer and spend an hour and a half with them. But it's certainly true on the collection side. When when the customer 
feels like they can share kind of their, their deepest struggles, their innermost, you know, difficulties or whatever, and we don't judge them for that, then, you know, then they feel comfortable. They trust us and they know that there's not much of anything's going to come up that they can't share with us, which is really communication one-on-one. They need to really get to the place where they feel comfortable talking to us. Right. So this kind of goes a long way toward that where, you know, they get to know us. We have a relationship. We have some sort of equity in the relationship uh, going in. So that when, when there is a crisis, a setback, mechanical problem or whatever, they already know that they can trust us and that we, you know, they can talk to us and that we're going to do anything reasonable to try to work it out. So, again, these are hard things to help new dealers understand. But it's like it's it's that whole thing about supporting the customer and being ready to, to give that help. What, throughout. what 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 you said right there, Jim, is 100 percent when the customer shuts down and doesn't pick up the phone right. and I'm forced to repossess the car because my my philosophy is if I'm going to take a single mother's only mode of transportation for work away from her, then what did I do wrong right. that she can't reach out to me? So yeah, so it's if 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 they stop communicating with us, then what what did we do wrong? It's our fault in that situation. Good. And if, you, and if you don't, and if you don't want to take that, if you don't want to, if you don't want to believe in that, then I strongly suggest don't get in this business. Tell yeah. yourself the CAC. You know. Yeah. No, I I agree. <laughs> we've, we've said something similar to dealers. Like if you don't, if you don't really have the heart for this business or the heart for this consumer, then maybe it's not the right business to be in. So I think what Correct. you show is that you can have when you have a heart for a customer. You can be in business, you know, for 40 years. You've been in business 40 years, is that right? As 30. We'll, we'll get to 40, hopefully. Oh, it's 92. You said 92, yeah. So 30, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm supposed to be a math guy, right? Uh, that's funny. But so now the, um, the, so the key on that for me is that that whole communication thing as you go along with the customer is like um, that's part of how you keep the customer kind of um, married to your business. Right. You, you earn them uh, through all kinds of setbacks and, and they keep making payments. And, you know, you and I would have learned way back when we started in this business that you really want to just keep the customer just because you lose the car doesn't mean you should lose the customer. And you try to keep them making payments and solve whatever the problem is. And they're they're going to be with you a long time. And when we bring that approach, then I think, yeah, we can we can afford to spend a little bit more to acquire that customer. We need to support them. Um, I wrote an article some years ago. I think the title of the article was somebody messed up, which kind of touches on exactly what you, t- you just said, which is we need to get in the habit first of looking at ourselves. Is there something more that we could have done as the dealer creditor when the customer fails? And that can be as simple as did the customer fail to communicate when the payment came due? Did they fail to communicate? And if so, is that totally on them or is there something that we did? Do we bear some responsibility in whatever happened there? If we could get in the habit of looking at ourselves first, and accepting responsibility. Did we set the payments too high on the contract? If so, kind of falls in a shame on us category, right? So, Correct. you know, these are things that we, if we would get better and kind of bring, you know, this farm boy logic that I'm talking about, if we bring that sort of approach to this, then we can have long-term success with these customers and they'll, they'll be with us. They'll be referring friends and family. They'll buy another car and another car after that. And they'll, they'll stay because, you know, people like to think, well, people are going to improve their credit situation and move on. And, and we're happy to see that happen. But in reality, there's, happen. Folks, yeah, there's a whole lot of folks that are just kind of resigned, resigned to the idea that this is their lot in life. As long as Tommy can keep me in a car for 375 a month, I'm going to do business with Tommy forever. 
right? Yeah, 100%. It's kind of the way that that seems to work. So I think this is, you know, we're kind of getting to the part that I wanted to cover because I know that you you see that side of it in the same way I do. Yep. So anything more to add to that? I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, like I say, to always express to dealers, you know, how just like with, with her and the crock pot recipes and whatever, it's just, I'm trying to dial in. The other thing that I've tried to tell dealers that were new, I said, if you could go to a dealer, for example, in your dealership, if you could come and sit at, in the lobby on a Friday afternoon for a few hours and just listen to the conversations that happen between the salespeople and the, and the customers, <clears throat> right? That's the biggest, that's the biggest thing I think I miss with everybody going on ACH and oh, yeah. Yeah. credit cards was, was the soda and popcorn and hot dogs every Friday and Saturday when everybody came in and made a weekly payment and Jim came in and I asked you how your wife was doing and, right. uh, and the new puppy you just got and the whole, you know, that was, so it's, it's harder today. I'm, what, what we did 30 years ago was a whole lot easier than what it is today. Yeah. So the dealers have to kind of really kind of figure out, and I guess using social media, um, and making things fun uh, might might be might be a way to help. It's it's definitely harder than it was when 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 we did it. Yeah. You know. Um. So so I, I and and I guess getting on back here page of success, uh, jumping in uh, uh, in a twenty group or 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 your situation. Uh, there's so much training out there. Mm-hmm. Like I said, uh, uh, I'm not a smart guy. I'm just a good listener. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's yeah. what people need to be. So, yeah. yeah I think. I and if any, if I can help anybody, you know, my my phone's always on. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You've been very helpful and generous in that way. I would say too, a couple of thoughts on what you just shared is that it's another thing that I, I'm aware of, and it, and I don't have a solution. But we see a lot of dealers, of course, moving to, you know, they like an ACH, they like the automated thing. And of course, with technology being what it is, we're all moving and we like kiosks and we like lots of things that are happening out there. It makes it easier for us to collect the payment. But it does cut down on the engagement and the level of interaction with the customer, which Correct. is a hard thing for those of us who come from that. It's a hard thing to, um, it's, it's a little like, you know, how do you replace that in your business? How do you, because that is, it's, if you think of it, and I haven't really thought of in this context until now, but if you think of it like a marriage, like if you don't have that connection with your partner, your spouse or whatever, and you, you drift apart in this way, then, you know, that obviously causes problems in the relationship. And if there's a setback in that relationship, so with our customers, it would be a mechanical problem or whatever, and they don't have a real relationship with you anymore. It's hard to have a conversation. They don't trust you. It's hard to, it's hard to yeah. solve the problem. You're right. When there was weekly payments and it was cash payments and they came in every Friday or every Saturday, we had these problems solved. Yeah. Um, but you know, when you're right, when you're on ACH and you got somebody who's made 47 payments on time and then all of a sudden they're late, yeah. they don't even know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. right. So, so we got to figure out how to, how to make that work better. You yeah. Know, for, I feel like for the new dealer. Yeah. I feel like people would tease you and me for bringing such a fundamental, like it is a changing world. It's a changing technology. Right. And so here we are, some old cronies, you know, talking about days gone by. But the reality is I always tell people, look, since since we got in the business, there's a ton of things that have changed. 
there's a lot of things that haven't changed and the customer hasn't changed. Customers have not changed. They've not changed. And so what that means is, yeah, we're changing the way we support the customer, but the customer hasn't changed. And so those of us who, we, of course, we're going to use technology to be more efficient in our business and be more successful. But we also, as we do that, we have to recognize the price that comes with that and be prepared to kind of work that into our business so that, you know, we're having to work to re-engage the customer. And it would be a lot easier if we never lost connection with them. And that's that's easier said than done. I get it. But I'm just yep. saying we all need to be mindful of that in the work that we do, you know, in our dealerships every day. So. Um, you know, I can go on and on all day. About, <laughs> we'll probably chop this you up. You have into, a week? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll chop this up into a couple of episodes, and we'll talk about this again. Tommy, uh, for those of you who uh, don't, you want to tune in, he'll be a regular uh, guest with us. And uh, and I, I'm trying to make sure everybody knows that's watching these episodes. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. This stuff is going to go to YouTube first. And so those of you that are subscribing, you'll see all this first. It'll then get moved over through production into the, the podcast platforms of Spotify's and Apple's and so on. So this, it'll eventually be found over there as well. But if you just really want to see it as quickly as possible, and we've got a ton of stuff lined up for 2022, we're going to be uh, you know, talking to dealers and all kinds of folks in the industry. So again, follow us on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is octane.group and, uh, or the octane group. And then um, you, you'll find us a lot in the BHPH success group. We're always in there trying to, you know, help dealers and add to what we can and, and uh, give feedback where we can. But then also you want to be over there so you can hear more from Tommy on how they take care of customers. And then, uh, Tommy, we're going to spread the word that you're interested in uh, exiting your business. And so if we, uh, we know dealers that have an interest in acquiring <laughs> with a history of customers of 30 years, then uh, an opportunity to... Uh, to step in and buy Tommy and he can go fishing. Be fun stuff. Thanks, Jim. Of course. We'll talk soon. Thanks for joining us. Please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe to Tote the Note. And thanks again to our sponsor, Neo. Find them at neoverify.com. Until next time.